About 13 kilometers northwest of Ajmer, a major city of half a million people in Rajasthan. Ajmer is connected by train with Delhi, Jaipur, and Ahmedabad, and by bus to points uh, up to Bombay to, to many town, to many surrounding towns uh, as far away as Bombay and also Mathura. From Ajmer to Pushkar one may hire a taxi, auto rickshaw or take a local bus. In Pushkar there are many places to stay. It's a major tourist center. There are first class hotels, cheap dharamshalas, and all kinds of arrangements in between. Pushkar is one of the holiest places of the Hindus. In fact, it's said to be the holiest place in some scriptures. Although different scriptures say that different places are the holiest place. Uh, from the benefits that you can get, as described in Shastra from visiting Pushkar, we can understand that this is a particularly holy place of the uh, Karmis. Pushkar is called Tirtaraj, the king of the Tirtas, as is Prayag. Both of them very easily award visitors the benefit of going to the heavenly planets and even liberation if one takes bath at the particular astrological time. Now, Ajmer is the most sacred place. In Ajmer is a holy place of the Muslims. The most is the main pilgrimage place for Muslims in India. So this whole area is one of pilgrimage. <coughs> we drove from Jodhpur another major city in Rajasthan. Uh, as you come, the, the terrain on Jodhpur side is just at the edge of the desert. And as you drive towards Ajmer, there are a lot of hills, uh, rock, rocky hills, rocky terrain. When you going from Ajmer to Pushkar, you go long flatland for some time then there's a big hill which you go up 
winding in and out around through there are a few cuttings through the hill you go up 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 and then dramatically you start coming down 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 and then there's a little more flat land and you're in Pushka. There's something very special about being in Rajasthan, the people, the buildings, the the atmosphere. In Ajmer, most of the buildings are made from sandstone, either pink or yellow. The people are dressed, typical Rajasthani style, wild. That's just their normal day-to-day dress. Women especially, incredibly gaudy, bright dress with with real uh, chunky jewelry worn on their arms, around their waists, huge earrings, nose rings, things on their head, I don't know what it is, it's just something holding makes the sari stick up, sari partnage goes over their head. Then then also huge turbans, handlebar mustaches, it's just their normal dress. During the during the camel fair they really dress up. And that's one of the things that Pushkar is most famous for. Pushkar is famous as place of pilgrimage, a, a tourist place for hippies and for the camel fair. The camel fair seems to have just developed as what happened is the holy time, the auspicious time to come to Pushkar's during the last five days of Kartik. So, as at any Hindu fair, there's buying and selling goes on also. Things that aren't normally available in the villages <coughs> can be purchased. And this, the camel market somehow or other grew up in this way around the, uh, around the religious fair. And naturally, as at any social function, people like to dress up. So this, and then there was camel races added, and so it's it's like a big folk festival which has grown up, which is a big pull for foreign tourists, especially, to come and see the extravagantly get dressed Rajasthani villagers. Especially extravagant. Ordinarily, they're extravagantly dressed, but at the camel fair, particularly, they dress up even more. And all the goings on at the camel fair. So, of course, not only Western hippie types come, but especially it's it's become a one of the places they go to. <coughs> and uh, usually, this the main hangout for the hippie types is in. Nepal or in Himachal Pradesh in the summer, 
go in the winter <coughs> and Pushkar in between. <coughs> the climate of Pushkar is, like all of Rajasthan, extremely hot in the summer. This, we, we arrived here on the 14th of April. It's unusually mild. It's not devastatingly hot yet, although often at this time of year it is. Usually April, May, and until about second or third week of June when the monsoon hits or the pre-season, pre-monsoon season clouds. It's usually devastatingly hot. And rest of the year, it's quite nice in the winter. Quite chilly even sometimes at night. Oh, that road... I was telling about the road from Ajmer to Pushkar, you come through a hill that's called the Nagpaha, means the snake mountain. At least the road is winding like a snake. The Saraswati River is said to flow here in five branches, called Saraswati, Suprabha, Chandra, Kanak, Kanaka, and Nanda but they all appear to be dried up. The glories of Pushka are mentioned in the Ramayana, the Mahabharata, and also in the Padma Purana, and elsewhere also in the scriptures. In the Satya Yoga, Lord Brahma noticed that on earth there are many places of pilgrimage dedicated to different demigods, but not to himself. So he decided to perform a sacrifice at a sacred place uh, for himself to be worshipped so that he could benedict the world as other demigods did. Meditating on this, he chanted, Mangalam, Mangalam. Let there be auspiciousness. And threw a lotus flower down on the earth. The flower petals, petals fell from the flower, and it ended up falling in three places, from each of which water sprang forth. Three places close to each other, called Jeshta Pushka, which means Senior Pushka, which is representative of Lord Brahma. Madhya Pushka, Middle Pushka, representative of Lord Vishnu, and Kanishta Pushka, Junior Pushka, also known as Buddha Pushka, which B-U-D-H-A, which is representative of Lord Shiva. As he threw the flower, which is a Pushpa, with his hand, which is another word for hand is Kar, so this place became known as Pushkar, and Lord Brahma said that these three kundas or lakes which sprang up where the flowers fell would be famous for removing sins. At Jeshta Pushka the kund is called Pushka Sarova whose water is a rivulet 
coming from a hillock named the Sapedu. The, the rivers Lord Brahma invited Lord Vishnu, Lord Shiva, Indra, Kuvara, Vishwakarma, Vihaspati, and all the other demigods, as well as many Brahmanas, to his yagya. When, when the yagya was about to begin, Lord Brahma requested his son Narad Muni to bring Brahma's wife Savitri, who for some reason had been delayed, to the yagya spot. But as time went on and she still hadn't come, Lord Brahma, thinking that she was busy in her womanly household matters, so the assembled group of great personalities consulted together and decided that as the auspicious time fixed for the yagya was going to pass, it would be better if they found another wife for Brahma. Indra was sent out to find a suitable girl and returned with a young unmarried girl who was suitable in all respects for being the wife of Brahma except for one major disqualification that she was from a lower caste. However, Indra overcame that problem. He placed her in the mouth of a cow and took her out the rear in order to purify her and make her qualified for the marriage and the yagya. Having passed through the cow, she became known as Gayatri, one who went through a cow. So when the yagya started, and Savitri turned up, being incensed at seeing her, her husband with another wife, she cursed him that she would that he would not be worshipped outside Pushka. She cursed Lord Vishnu that he would take birth as a human being and that his wife would be abducted. She cursed Lord Shiva that he would always apply the ashes of dead people on his bodies and that ghosts and hobgoblins would be his companions. And that Lord Indra, despite having attained to heaven, would always remain in fear there because of the attacks, uh, from the attacks of the demons, that he would never be victorious in war. He, she cursed the Brahmins that they would always remain dependent on arms and would always be poor. Kuvera was cursed that he would also be poverty stricken. And even the cow that purified Gayatri was cursed that she would have to eat stool. Anyway, it's a long story, but upon, upon the request of the Brahmins Gayatri, she removed most of the curses in various ways. The yagya was restarted and finally completed. Uh, Savitri left, having done her cursing job, and went to sit on the top of Ratnagiri Hill to perform austerities. That's just on the, in the Altapushka area. Uh, she's still sitting there. Anyone who goes there today, they have to climb up the hill for an hour. It takes an hour to go up. They will have their desires fulfilled. And especially married women 
can get the benediction that their husband will not die before them. So after the heat of the afternoon, we ventured out into the town, came down to the Varaha Ghat in the town at the uh, Pushkar Lake. There's uh, seems to be quite deep. There's an area which is blocked off, which is supposed to be holy pond, but it's like like a swimming pool. Everyone's jumping and splashing and having fun. The mixture of Western tourists with the local Indian pilgrims and pandas makes for an unusual ambience. And walking through the streets, you see bookshops, all kinds of Western books and foreign cigarettes on sale and signs written in funny misspelled English telling uh, you can get local cheese, German meals, and uh, don't don't kiss at the gut because this is a holy this is a holy place. In the Varaha Mandir his deity Shweta Varaha. Yeah. Many quaint temples in the town, in all 400 in the Pushkar area. But uh, the rules in most places is photo taking is not allowed, unfortunately. Shweta Varaha looks quite magnificent holding the earth on his tusk. Well, the, the temple is quite simple and simply maintained. Here's the information about the Varaha temple given on a signboard outside the temple. The temple was constructed in the year 1123-50. I don't know whether, I guess that's maybe Christian year or whatever is it. By King Arno, A-R-N-O, Raja. This king also renovated the famous Anasaga Lake of Ajmer. The repair of Varaha Mandir, which was many a times demolished by the Mughal invaders, was done during the Akbar period by King Sagar, who was the brother of Rana Pratap of Chittorgarh. The temple was demolished by Aurangzeb, and it appears that Maharaj Sawai Jai Singh, second of Jaipur, got it reconstructed. According to the available sources, the present idol, which is what they write, of Lord Varaha was established in the year 1727 AD in Pushkar. This is the second most trump- sacred temple of Pushkar after Brahma Temple. And it is said that this is the Yagya place of Lord Brahma from whose mouth Lord Varaha is also said to have originated. Finish. And along with the books for Westerners, there's also nonsense music for Westerners. So one nice thing, we saw a sign hanging up. They just had a outside one temple they had the the sign is still hanging up from the Navratri festival because we're here on April the 14th there are two Navratris in a year one is the one leading up to Durga Puja at the end of the rainy season the other is the other is leading up to Ram Nomi so they at this temple the sign still hanging up Akhand Ram Krishna Dhun is uh non-stop chanting throughout the nine days and nights of Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare. 
There are signs also for uh, Katas, Marari Bapu's Kata, Ramlila. In, uh, it says, yeah, this says in Pushkar they had. That was from 9th to 17th of March, he had a Kata here. There's also here and there a few snake charmers and boys blowing on some long kind of trumpet thing, doing a laid back kind kind of business, trying to get donations out of people. Everywhere people greet us with Hare Rama, Hare Krishna. So many shops selling Rajasthani handicrafts, rugs, clothing, kind of handmade, embroidered, with mirrors on, wild designs, curly pointed North Indian shoes, the traditional kind, which still you find quite a lot of people in Rajasthan wearing, embroidered bags. It's the off-season for tourists, that means Indian tourists. It's just before the school holidays begin, not so many people here. Still we hear people talking in, apart from Hindi and Rajasthani, Nepali, Gujarati, Bengali, Punjabi, all different languages. Plus that uh, curious dialect called Indian English. Inside the temple there are so many inscriptions written in Hare Krishna. In Hindi, Sindhi, Bengali, English also, there's some some donors from London giving some donation. Just as we come inside the temple on the left, we see a um, temple of Mahadev, then a, a temple of Lord Indra on, sitting on Airavata. On the right, temple of Lord Kuvair, and also Panchamukhi Hanuman. It's not a very very big temple like the ones we're accustomed to see in South India. It was not so. It's quite a small little arrangement. There, there are little rooms for sadhus, visiting sadhus. All of India comes together at these holy places. There are sadhus here dressed in their off-white cloth or some of them in stark red. Stark red with all the different kinds of tilak and far out hairstyles. Some of, some of them you see walking through the bazaar with the tilak, matted hair, red cloth, and spot shoes. A new, new thing in India. Yeah, all of India comes together. You see there's the sadhus, there's, there's the simple village people, there's the middle class people from the cities. People are coming here to see Lord Brahma, they see him as the head of the demigods. We see him as the head of our Sampradaya. They, they may be praying to him for so many mature benedictions. We're praying to him for pure devotion that he has kindly given, having received it from Lord Krishna at the beginning of creation. And that has been passed down in Parampara by his representative in the modern age, Srinathopad. In the Adi Baraha or Bhu Baraha temple we saw a few silver coins in, which are set in the marble. 
there are many more here like that. Most of they're from the time of the British Raj, and many of them have been worn away by so many people stepping on them. But still, a few you can see the the outline there. Lord Brahma is set in his temple. To his left is his second wife Gayatri. He sits in a nice silver singhasan with uh, Hanuman is on the top of the singhasan in that famous pose, about to jump, holding the mountain. Brahma, you can see three of his heads. One is one facing towards us, and the other two in the other directions, and one is facing away. You can't see it. He has the smarter kind. They've dressed him with a smarter kind of line tila. There's also an arti drum machine. Those kind of machines, drums and bells. You, they turn it on at the time of arti, and it makes banging noise. A curious invention that you see in quite a few temples to bring Indian technology, Indian spiritual necessities, united with united with. Uh, Modern technology. There's a steady stream of pilgrims, not so many. This is uh, what you might call a real Hindu temple with all different kinds of gods. Of course, so many different gods did come here. If you go down some stairs, there's a nice temple of Lord Shiva. At the back of the Brahma temple is a is a temple of Durga. And also, there's another temple of Savitri. Actually, considering so many tourists have been coming here for so many years, it's surprising that the people aren't more spoiled. Although they're, they're, we were told by some of the local people that uh, AIDS and drug abuse are becoming problems here now. But still, the general attitude of the people is still very nice. They haven't become very greedy, materialistic, not harassing us like you see in some holy places. Taking darshan of Lord Kuvera, I was saying to Nithai Padakamala, we should ask him to give us lots of money to engage in Krishna's service. But then I thought when Dhruva Maharaj was offered a benediction by Kuvera, he said that you please just give me pure Krishna consciousness. So maybe that's, we should stick to what our previous Acharya's example had given us. Oh, I, wait a minute, I was saying that's a Panchamukhi Hanuman temple, but it's Panchamukhi Mahadev, Surya and Narad all in one temple. I didn't look carefully enough at the sign. That click, click, click sound you can hear in the background is the uh, craftsman making another, yet another inscription. There's still space if anyone wants to donate and get their name. Inscribed. Some of the inscriptions we see have been taken up. Maybe the, maybe the people didn't pay up their money. One tiny little temple with so many little deities. At Surya, I was saying Narad, Gauri, Gauri Shankar, Panchamukhi, Mahadev. There's a temple of the Saptarishis. This is all inside the compound of the main Brahma temple. The whole roof of the temple is painted orange-red color. Making our way down 
to the Shiva temple, which is below the Brahma temple, slightly to the side. As we come down, we find a devotee devoutly chanting Om Namo Shivaya, Om Namo Shivaya again and again. And we'll offer our prayers as follows Kshirangata Dadivika Rabhishesha Yoga Sanjayate Nahitaka Pitagasti Hito Yashambhita Mabhita Samupaiti Karyat Govindamadi Purusham Tamahambhujami which prayers seem to have caught the attention of the Pujari. Just as we might be fascinated to look at the uh, Rajasthani people, some of them are fascinated to come and look at us too. <laughs> Even the women aren't shy to come and stand and look at us, or to be photographed. Throughout the temples there are different signs written up in Hindi, exhorting people to chant the names of Durga, or to worship her, or whichever the different gods are, different, different rhymes in Hindi. The Savitri Mandir, most people just have a look at the hill on which the Savitri Mandir is situated. Most people don't go up it, it's about three kilometers walk from the town, plus one or two hours walk up and the same coming down. So it's it's quite an event, quite quite an endeavor to go up. Nowadays, most people don't do that, but we're planning to do that tomorrow morning. Get a really good aerial view of the Pushkar area. I guess they give uh, back to Godhead readers their money's worth. Just at sunset, we come out the back of the, the temple. Beautiful view of little green and then the hills in the background few electric light bulbs here and there in a few houses. Looking out at the Savitri Mandir, a few fields here and there. An old American car incongruously sitting in the temple courtyard. Cows being milked at sunset. Pile of cow dung patty cakes piled up. Calls of different birds. There are pigeons, peacocks, and those those birds There are also those chatterbox kinds of birds, which make a big noise as if they're having an argument all the time. There's, uh, we're looking out over the Mela ground, which stretches for four kilometers. It's evening and the, just at evening time all of a sudden so many bells start ringing, drums are banging, it's, there's 400 temples in this town so it's time for Arati. Everywhere people are very friendly to us, they all know us from our Vrindavan temple. They're all very appreciative. Actually, I was just in Alalana for BTG, but really more than anything, even more than the deities, more than the temple, it's it's the people that make the place. So like in Alalana, I was, like the, the priests there, we were somewhat turned off by them, but 
Here everyone's nice, friendly, like to talk to us. Get a good feeling. And in Rajasthan we get that good feeling. Maybe not so much nowadays in Jaipur where it has become very commercialized, a lot of cheating type of people, but pretty much everywhere in Rajasthan, uh, even inside Jaipur, but especially outside Jaipur, the people, people are very nice, friendly, relaxed, uh, robust, physically and mentally. People are what you... Uh, mentally strong even. The struggle of living in harsh conditions uh, combined with their culture, their faith in God. Even Nitai Padukamala, my traveling assistant who only speaks about five words of Hindi and can't speak with the people, I was mentioning this point to him, how people are nice, it's nice to talk to them, and I was saying, maybe you don't pick that up because you don't talk to them, but he said, no, I feel it also. Even though I can't speak with the people, I get a good feeling from them. I was saying about all of India coming together, you see, apart from the different classes of people, again, the same point, people from all different parts of India, you can tell by a different way they're dressed, especially the women. Some are, you can tell by the, by the saris, South Indian, Gujaratis, Nepalis, and facial features also, to some extent. Fortunately, in the Brahma temple, there's no restriction on taking photos. Yeah, it's a real tourist place. There's camel tours advertised. People trying to get us to sit on their camels so they can get some money out of us. Outside the Brahma temple, there's a man who's sitting, looks well to do, man, but he's calling out everybody, please come and drink water. He's uh, making arrangement for free distribution of water. He's personally distributing himself. In the Mahabharata, the, the distribution of giving water to thirsty people is mentioned as one of the topmost kinds of charity that you can do. There are many ashrams here. Different sadhus live in and different sad traveling sadhus put up in when they come. Karamshalas of different communities, just like there's a, a Chobe, Karamshala for the Chobes, one class of Brahmins. Most of the 400 temples, Dabalapas, uh, uh, Krihasta ashrams, it's like the temple is there, nice, beautiful temples, but also it's, it's more like a home kind of situation with washing, hanging out. Most of the shopkeepers speak a little English here. A couple of camels running through the streets with their bells jingling. The riders on top of them. Okay, back to the history. Uh, Lord Brahma gave the benediction that anyone taking a bath at Pushka, according to the proper rules and regulations, will attain the heavenly planets immediately after death. We'll tell more about that later, reading from the Padma Purana. There are 52 bathing and puja ghats around the name Sinya Pushka. These ghats were constructed by different kings 
and prominent people in the past. The main ghats are the Go and Brahma Ghat, the ashes of Mahatma Gandhi, Jawaharlal Nehru and Lal Bahadur Shastri were sprinkled in the lake at Gogat, of course they're in different places in India, not only here. And even Queen Mary, wife of King George V, visited here and visited this, this Ghat here. In 1762, Guru Gobind Singh recited the Granth Sahib here. Guru, um, his Ghat is also here. And Lord Ramachandra also took bath here during his exile and performed Shraddha for his father, Dasharatha, here. So it, so it is said, although it seems to be geographically out, it's a long way west of Dandakaranya. Anyway, everything's possible. This is said to be the only temple of Lord Brahma. Of course, in Thailand, there are many, many temples of... Uh, not many, quite a few temples of Lord Brahma. But it could be said that and this is the only place where he's properly worshipped according to the Vedic tradition. The deity, Brahmaji, stone deity, and, uh, you can see the the original Murti was destroyed by Emperor Aurangzeb during his rule, which was from 1658 to 1679. And the present Murti was installed uh, by one Brahmin lady, P-H-O-O-N-D-I. The present temple was reconstructed in 1809. The Bhubaraha temple rests upon a small hilltop, 150 feet high, where the, where the beautiful white marble deity of the Lord stands facing south. There is a temple of uh, Atpaleshwa Mahadev, A-T-P-A-L-E-S-H-W-A-R, very important temple related, related to Lord Brahma's Yagya, uh, eventually, Lord Brahma established um, Shiva Lingam to be worshipped in person. People doing Buddha and having Darshan here. He said they will not have to reborn, be reborn on this earth. The temple of Savitri sits high on top of a mountain, small, not a mountain, hill, where she stands looking very happy and wide eyed, facing east, with Saraswati residing next to her. A newly constructed South Indian style, Rama Vaikuntha. Rama means, actually, Vaikuntha means Vishnu, with the typical South Indian elaborate style. These are the well known temples of Pushka. There are many other smaller temples also, which most of the people don't go inside, but if you do go inside, you'll find and many of them. Nice courtyards with trees, pleasing atmosphere. In the outer Pushka area, that means away from away from the main ghats, but in, in the, still in the area of Pushka, there is uh, 
place where Markande Rishi once stayed. Also, Agastyamuni performed Tapasi in a cave and in a hill in the area. And many Rajarishis, Brahmarishis, Yogis, Munis, and other saintly people visited Agastya during his period of penance and residence here. A pair of stone feet have been installed. One of the oldest temples here is of the Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya. Uh, it seems that the Sri Vaishnavas put a lot of importance on Pushkar also. And when they visit the holy places of North India, they make a point to visit here. We saw a few South Indian people here and some uh, members of the Hobilam Mutt from South India. They were here, some prominent people from the Hobilam Mutt. They have one of the oldest temples in the town, the Ranganathji Venugopal Mandir. Deity of Venu Gopal, four-armed Krishna deity, playing the flute, some six feet tall, exquisitely beautiful. Srimati Radharani is standing to his right side and Rukmini to his left, which we've, we've never seen anywhere before. Especially, you don't expect the Sri Vaishnavas to, to put Radharani and Krishna's. This deity is like Krishna and Vishnu all in one. The Pujaris, although they, they speak good in this temple, although they speak good Hindi, because they live there, but they're actually Tamil Brahmins and do all the puja offering dressings. It's in accordance with the Sri Sampradaya as practiced in South India. Uh, according to the Sri Vaishnav Sampradaya, it is one, this Pushkar is one of the eight Swayam Vyaktastal, self-manifest places of Lord Vishnu. And uh, it's said that the water in, in Jishta Pushkar is Vishnu in the form of water. Therefore it's important to them. So we may wonder as Vaishnavas what we're doing here at all. Well, and the Sri Vaishnavas give some importance. Otherwise, from the Vaishnav point of view, it's, it's not so important. But of course, Lord Chaitanya used to visit so many different holy places, connected with so many different deities. We wake up the next morning in our room, which is overlooking the main lake, to the sounds of peacock cries as we come back from our morning bath there's, there's no the, the power has gone off in the whole town there's no light, it's a full moon but uh, there's the sounds of the temple sounds bells ringing discordant drum beats people going down for their early morning bath, this is just before five o'clock, a quarter five, people going down for their early morning bath. Someone is reciting Vedic mantras. It's the general 
um, intermingled sound of so many different people taking bath and uh, all mixed up also with the sound of water birds screeching and a few lamps oil lamps going in the distance people and the cats people taking bath with oil lamps chitter chatter of people somewhere from the direction behind us must be from the South Indian temple where there's some Shinai sound full moon hanging over Pushkar gives reflects on the lake certainly looks very beautiful the lake is irregularly shaped on three sides guts so it's 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 regularly shaped but on another side it's open and uh, because it's the hot season now there's not so much water you can see the water in the rainy season it must fill up more and in the meantime there's some higher land so there's which uh, is now above water level one after another, conches blow and drums begin to bang as the different temples begin their early morning arches. Early morning, walking out to the Savitri Mandir, we walked around the main pushka because our hotel is opposite to the Brahma temple where the Savitri temple path begins from and just going to the side of the Brahma temple we see the hill where the Savitri temple is straight in front of us there. all of a sudden as the electricity comes on the winding path up the hill is illuminated Path to the foot. The path to the foot of the hill is a gradually ascending, narrow, paved road. Just coming out of the town of Pushka, another path, just a footpath which has been worn through the open land. It looks like grazing land. Has has been worn away. That's a path to another hill smaller hill which is lying to our left that must be one of the presumably one of the four hills looks like some people